Hey there, it's Kelly O'Neill, and you're listening to Kelly O Says. Before we get too far into this, I want to take a minute, rewind a little bit. Before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about my origin story and how I got started. Hey, this is Kelly O'Neill, and you're listening to Kelly O Says. This is a little bit of the backstory of how I got here and what the heck I'm doing on this podcast. A lot of people ask me sort of how did you get into what you're doing now and probably like a lot of us what we're doing now is not what we started out in business doing or even what we went to college for <laughs> right probably a lot of you a lot of you like that but uh, I actually started my first business it was a medical transcription company I was just a contractor which I had taken those skills from um, pretty much the only actual job I had where I had to actually clock in. <laughs> that was in my early 20s, a long time ago. But I ran into a friend of my sister's who was a at-home medical transcriptionist. And I thought, that's crazy. You know, how do you get to work? I could never do that, work from home. I thought, you know, it's crazy. And I all, immediately all these barriers were coming into my head. And... It wasn't until I had my oldest daughter and was staying home, you know, and wanted to stay home with her, that the idea kind of came back to me. I was doing a little transcription um, and wanted to, you know, stay home with her more. So this is, you know, I'm aging myself a little bit, pre-Google days. <laughs> so you couldn't just go onto YouTube and figure out how to do something. And there weren't a whole lot of resources back then. So, um, you know, I put in a lot of resumes out there. This is in the days of dial-up. I know, oh my God, can you believe it? But <laughs> I'm not going to go into the Wayback Machine too far, but... I want to lay this ground a little bit because it makes a little more sense what I'm doing later and why I named this podcast Kelly O Says. So I'm working at a hospital in this tiny little town in northern Indiana. Just had my daughter and she was about four, three and a half, four years old and going to a daycare. I was working days. My now ex-husband, but you know, we were married then, um, he was working nights, I believe, or second or third shift. But you get the picture. We're all going different directions. And I wanted to be able to stay at home with her. Like, my mom would stay at home with me. And I wanted to be there. I wanted to be present. I wanted to be the one taking her to preschool, picking her up. You know, that kind of thing. And somebody needed to be there. And that's another story for uh, another time. But um, so I remembered talking to my sister's friend about transcribing at home. So my first thought was, I need to get a job, right? Doing transcription after 70 companies. <laughs> I'm not kidding, 70 companies. Finally, somebody hired me and I started working. It wasn't too bad. I would work, well, I would transcribe when she was in bed or at preschool. So I would work about 8 to noon and then 8 p.m. to midnight. And this was in the days when you would download the voice files, transcribe them, and upload them back. They were doing about 24 hours. You'd think, oh, that's not too bad, right? But if you weren't disciplined enough to uh, 
download on time and return them on time, you didn't get the next batch of work. And if you didn't type, you didn't make money. So that was sort of my first dip into the subcontractor field that, crap, I mean, if I took a day off, if I was sick, if she wouldn't go to bed, I mean, I would be up all night. It was just this constant hamster wheel that went on for years <laughs> like this, right? And, but I, you know, was working from home and I thought this is what everybody like, you know, would love to do. It quickly became evident way back then, this wasn't an acceptable form of making money. And people would, you know, turn their nose up when they heard that I was working from home. Ooh, that's terrible, right? And, you know, today, that's what everyone wants to do. This digital nomad sort of revolutions happened uh, several years now. And, but back then, I didn't tell people I worked from home. I would not take phone calls if my kids were awake or at home. I purposely would um, schedule meetings and stuff like that when I knew there would be absolutely no noise background. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty um, terrible because I wanted to pretty much close myself off from all the outside world so that there would be no noise whatsoever. It was the craziest thing. But I did this because I wanted to have my own money. Sort of, I wanted to be able to contribute something to the family and something of value. And while I was working at the hospital before, it was just sort of this hourly job. I was an EKG tech, um, which is like a, a the heart tests that you have when you're in the emergency room or you're having a heart attack. I was the person that came in and did the tests, which I, I liked doing it. I liked cardiology. I was going to school to be a physician assistant. I mean, I was all on board for it. So I thought this was a way that I could build something and maybe hire my own transcriptionist and it would run itself while I finished PA school, physician assistant school. But of course, this was um, several, I don't know, like maybe an hour away from home. So there again, I, was, I created something, but looking at the long term, I would eventually have to leave my oldest daughter again and go to school an hour, over an hour away. So it was a means to an end. It was a way for me to pay school. It, was, it would have been something that would give me money but then it wasn't exactly what I wanted but in the back of my mind I knew that I wanted to have my own thing and it was because I think it was well I can't remember exactly who one of the financial planners said you know hey women not to you know burst your bubble or rain on your parade but you have to make sure that you're financially secure you know not saying that something's going to happen in your marriage, but you never know. And it was kind of put that little, here in Midwest, we call it bug in your ear. <laughs> that little kind of planted the seed that I need to make sure I protect myself. And I always have a way to make my own money. And I'm foreshadowing on that story. That's totally different. But I knew I needed to have something and a skill some sort of way to make my own money. And since I came from a, a family of business owners who 
also had their own businesses. My grandfather owned a uh, hardwood floor company. He would go in and lay your hardwood floors in your house. Then my eventually my uncle took it over and my cousins did it, right? And then I had other members of the family who one's a dentist. I have my my aunt owned not only a hair salon, but she also ran a school inside it. So it was sort of this at the time this little incubator in our family of other people who had businesses. And I kind of didn't want to be left out. You know, I wanted something that I could contribute. And although there's nothing wrong with being just mom, I just had that itch of there's something else. There's got to be a different way. And since I was really good at medical terms, really good at transcription, it just kind of, I was just good at it. I thought this is a great way to make money. And at the time, now this was several years ago, and now I'm recording this in 2018, the pay at the time was, um, I think it was 10 cents a line. And I mean, you can make pretty good money, you know, I hadn't finished college yet, and working from home, I thought, yeah, it's pretty good. It was average probably maybe $15 an hour or something, and this was in, I don't know, uh, 90-ish. So it's been around 2000. So, but it was a good little side gig, right? A good way to just make some extra, extra crafts and lay the foundation. Well, fast forward several years, and I was sort of dealing with that mommy guilt, you know, of can I earn enough money to stay afloat? Can I provide for any of the extras? And I just wanted to be mom at this point. Every vacation I was working and I was even back then we didn't have laptops weren't really a thing so I took my entire computer tower would go with me when I went visited my family and because I needed everything in that I wasn't really very nomadic. I had to I had to pack up that whole thing. Since I was doing transcription I had the little pedal and the headphones, right? And um and then I was spending some of the time visiting my family, actually working, transcribing reports. And several years later, you know, now I'm a single mom, and it sort of revealed itself that this was a good move for me um, to make sure that I had something of myself. And, you know, so now I'm looking at, crap, you know, I'm a single mom, how am I going to make this work? Am I going to have enough money? Um, am I going to run out of money? And I didn't want to be an embarrassment to my kids or my family that I couldn't make it work. At this point, I had been doing this job for several years, and I'd taken it from, you know, northern, northern Indiana to southern Indiana. And just so happened, since I was a medical transcription, a medical hosting company asked me to come work for them and that sort of changed everything at that point uh, I started doing SEO um, social media and I got really really good at it if any of you know about the Google algorithm and how many times it changed I mean this is pre-panda days but I had figured out a way to get a site ranked and less than you know it used to be a year or so in like a couple months when you know 
this is several years ago, but, and I had figured out a way to niche down all of the doctor's offices to where they had unique keywords. And sometimes I was, not only do we have doctors in the same field, but there were sometimes in the same building. I lived in Indianapolis, but this hosting company was in South Florida, and it just so happened I had two orthopedic doctors in the same building here in Indianapolis. <laughs> so I'm competing against myself, and it happened a lot. But I had an, a contract with this hosting company. I was the only SEO person. So I, you know, kind of, I had to prove myself over and over and over again because every time a site went live, I was redoing the SEO and doing it over and over and over. And then I'll, Google would change their algorithm, and then they were all .NET Nuke sites, and .NET Nuke would change how they did their coding, whatever. Now, I'm not a programmer. I know SEO, I know general HTML, but <laughs> I mean, I knew medical terms, and it just all kind of made sense to me. But again, I had that sort of itch that I wanted to be more, I wanted to contribute more value. So every year I would meet with them. It was kind of a recurring 30-day contract. So every 30 days, literally, I was afraid if I didn't perform that I was going to lose this contract. And it was my only source of income. And as a single mom, that was scary. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not going to call out this company because I don't work for them anymore. But there were lots of phone calls and lots of... The clients loved me. It was great. But getting yelled at, constantly screamed at on the phone, that kind of thing. It just wasn't a good environment for, you know, for me, but it really ate at my self-worth, I guess. And I was so, so busy. We grew the, I grew that little nest egg of websites from, I, I signed on at 200 and I ended the contract, um, with notice, by the way, <laughs> I didn't quit. And <laughs> the contract, they had 12, over 1,200. And over, of those 1,200 sites, were some of those doctor's offices had multiple, multiple doctors in them. So let's say it was a hospital, and the hospital had their orthopedic site. Within the orthopedic site, it may have had 15 locations. Within those 15 locations, had to five or 10 or 15 doctors. So you can see how this all multiplied. So where there were 1,200 actually clients in all of those websites, I was responsible for every single month. Now you can't, if you know SEO, search engine optimization, you know that there's no possible way anyone could manage every single one of those every single month. So it began to where I was just doing the new ones, you monitoring the new ones and anybody who complained. And but I got so good at upselling that I had nearly a hundred percent upsell whenever somebody called with questions or wanted to add something to their site, and I liked that space. I did. And then you know it came to a point where I saw other opportunities. When Facebook came on and Twitter came on, I said, "Hey, you know this would be a great um, revenue source for the company." And it was kind of like I was blown off, so I didn't sort of feel like I was contributing. And it came a point in time, several years into this, where I saw that it wasn't a good fit anymore. And one of the other contractors actually poached me to work for her company. 
And it'd be really funny if one of them ends up listening to this podcast. <laughs> but basically, I was poached. I ended that contract with her, and I was I had other small little contracts, so I had a little bit of a um, a cushion. But immediately, I within two weeks doubled my income with her contract and some other little ones. And I thought, oh my God, this is the way people do it. Multiple little contracts instead of one big contract. Instead of your all your eggs in one basket, I had lots of baskets. And I thought, this is it. This is the way people are making money and sitting on a beach somewhere. But there was one thing. I couldn't be on a beach somewhere because I had two little kids in school. Well, by this time, they weren't so little. Now, one in high school and one in elementary school. And these girls still to this day, very highly academic. Um, They like, which is really funny, they like the sort of regiment of regular school. I wanted to be that parent, especially when I could work from home and work from anywhere. I wanted to be that parent that... You know, unschooled, homeschooled, Montessori. <laughs> My kids, you know, kind of put them in the the RV and travel around the world. I mean, these are the thoughts that I had, but that's that's not the kids that I was blessed with. These two liked being sitting in a desk. They like standardized testing. <laughs> They're good at math, English, and science. <laughs> you know, it's just you, you know, you're given what you need, right? So for me always sort of beating my head against the schedule and wanting free time and my own schedule and do it my way, my girls were very much regimented. They liked to go to the bed at the same time. They like routine, which is hilarious when you think about it. When you put us all together, it's really funny. So <laughs> but the things that I worried about were sort of that underlying it's almost like a that big cauldron it's almost Halloween right now (laughs) so I'm as I am recording this and it's like a big cauldron you can just see the pot stirring it's like a big old pile of you know (laughs) and more stuff that I put into this pile just the worse it just got to be sludge it just got harder to do and harder to stir and harder to manage and it got to be just a disaster and I keep saying and but I was so obsessed with this me thing of wanting this to work and making sure that I didn't run out of money that I was losing the vision of why I started this in the first place uh, I was taking my laptop now on every vacation. Every time we went to Disney for cheer competitions for my kids, there I was getting up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning with my laptop trying to finish these, SEOing these websites and managing their med- medical education library, just trying to get it done. Because again, I was back into this situation of trading time for money. If I didn't work, I didn't get paid. When I was poached with this other company, I thought, this is my chance. 
I was now a director of project management. I had upped it a little bit. My salary per um, per project was now almost ten thousand dollars a month per project, and I was multi, you know doing multiple projects, and I was helping my clients land six figure contracts per quarter. I mean things were just but like I said. It was like this cauldron of crap that I was stirring and it was not where I needed to be so that was sort of the wall that I came up against and it sort of took that fat cat contract <laughs> that I got one of these corporate contracts I loved what I was doing the people I was working with but it was um, the feeling of I had made it was depending on dependent on someone else's success. I was a sort of third, fourth party contractor. Somebody, the corporation had hired somebody who hired somebody who hired me. So as you go up line, I guess, I guess you could say, if someone along the line screwed up, I was done. And that's exactly what happened. Someone who had nothing to do with me <laughs> lost her job, this person got cut, this person got cut, end of my contract. I was working for other clients. If they didn't have clients, I didn't have any clients. And that was sort of my oh crap moment. I was so overwhelmed with work and the workload and the fact that, hey, I was working from home. This is what everybody says they wanna do. I was making, you know, five figures a month. This is what everybody says is supposed to be happening. This is supposed to be the great thing, but it wasn't. It was during this time, it was kind of the mommy blogger time where people started asking me questions. How do you do it? How did you make the money? How do you make it work being a single mom with your kids, working from home or going on vacation, whatever. And I realized that People wanted my opinion it was really weird and people started hiring me for my opinion for my strategy to help them out first it was I would just help I would just volunteer because that's what I had always done even way back in the medical transcription days I would teach other moms how to start their medical transcription business so that they could work from home it was during this time, after I lost that fat cat contract, that I had to really think about what I wanted to do next. I knew that I could produce something because I had done it over and over and over again. I knew I was capable, I just didn't know what it was going to be. And I wanted to be in that kind of mommy space of helping other moms. I thought that was the righteous thing to do. <laughs> and I learned through working with other clients that the online launch process was starting to get very streamlined. A lot of software as a service, a lot of SaaS was coming out. Things were getting a whole lot easier. The how-tos were appearing on YouTube and, and so everything was kind of out there. And I thought, this is, oh, you know, <laughs> I can hear it in the background, oh, hello. I could use what I had learned sort of being thrown in the deep end with some of these bigger clients 
I was brought on for my SEO and my project management, but everything else I had to figure out on my own. And of course, you're listening to this as an entrepreneur, you're probably the same way. You just kind of, you're resourceful, you just kind of figure it out. And I realized that the women and some men that were coming to me all had sort of the same issues. What is marketing marketing tech? How do I sell my stuff, my stuff online? What am I going to sell? How do I get it started? How do I get traffic to my website? How, you know, all these different questions. But they were pretty much the same. They come back to how do I manage it all? And since I understood the, the launch process so well, I, it was kind of a no-brainer. But during this whole thing, I'm looking, I'm picking out the things that I could do. And I start to talk to old clients and find out why they loved my work so much or, you know, just getting the feedback. And I found out a little nugget that both made me happy and totally ticked me off. (laughs) I found out that my services were being upsold to their clients. So clients were hiring me to work for their clients and they're being upsold. Now, hold, hold the phone for just a second. You're, never, you're not going to believe this. Like I, They're paying me mm, sometimes between 55 to about 80000 55 to 102 I think, really, the higher end, a year, right? And in one year, oh, I can't believe I'm repeating this, $2.3 million. I just want that to sink in for just a second. If you've held on me, in with me for this long <laughs> to realize there's a giant gap so when I realized I'd missed out basically multiple years in a row on a not one but a two million dollar salary I mean I just wanted to oh, bang my head against the wall can you believe it I can't believe this is happening I knew that if I had those skills with their clients couldn't I get my own so the plan was to create my my strategy that was already proven. Take that little nugget, well, it's a big giant boulder of a nugget, and put it out there. Wouldn't other corporations want to use the same thing? Crickets. So I go to the mommies. You know, my mommy friends think, you know, I've bought from everybody else, right? Time to kind of reap what I've sowed. It's a funny thing when you go into business because just because you're in business doesn't mean people are going to buy from you. That kind of sucked. <laughs> you, Of course, I don't know who said it, but somebody said it. They can't buy from you if they don't know who you are. Well, outside of this particular group of medical clients, no one really knew who I was. And... Uh, due to a lovely non-compete clause, I didn't want to go after medical clients. But I knew I did want to continue working with parents. And that started the Parentpreneur brand. How about that? I don't know now, but you're reading this or listening to it, if it's still a thing. But when I registered that trademark, Parentpreneur was a new thing. And it really resonates with still today 
I got a message right before recording this. It resonates with a lot of people. There's a preneur for everything now. There's an entrepreneur, a creative preneur, a writerpreneur, authorpreneur, candle waxpreneur. I don't know. Babysitting preneur. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But you get my picture. I don't know where I'm going to go with that, but with that brand, but um, we're still fleshing it out. But the plan had come into place. And we had... I should say we, me, a few VAs, uh, I had started to build back up again, which wasn't the plan. In my transcription days, I had 400 transcriptions in five countries. I didn't knew I didn't want to be there again. I had to have some help, right? So I started this kind of group back up again. I knew what I needed having worked on several different other big projects. I, I couldn't, I didn't have thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to throw at a, at a campaign, but I knew what the guts was. I knew that the guts that needed to happen to put together to launch something. And I started testing it and when, stop saying and, I, I did a few, actually four free I guess, launch campaigns with clients. I did one-on-one and I did some group ones. It came to where I cut down the go-to-live process from a year to six months to 90 days to 30 days. And we, I did a one-week challenge and somebody in the group made two over $200,000 in that week. And I thought, this is actually working. It was a free group. I made some way too many mistakes. I should have got it. I'm still trying to get that that one validation, that, you know, that one review. But I water under the bridge, live and learn, whatever. But I knew that my process still worked. And in the middle of this, I'm still learning all of this new technology that's coming out. I started to kind of get to a place where I would get lost in the tech trying to learn it because I thought I had to be perfect to be able to teach it. And I thought I had to have success with it first before my clients did, which is really kind of silly because I was hired by C-suite executives, by people with MBAs to fulfill something that they didn't have. And it didn't hit me until way too much longer down the road that that wasn't the case I didn't have to have every single skill to one be able to sell it and two to have the person on on my team I know you're rolling your eyes at me right now I can hear it from here (laughs) that was sort of the thing so I had the plan in place then it became a, a problem of I'm an SEO person with no website and having money for a website because I was always doing somebody else's website right not a huge social media following why because I couldn't write anything more than 140 characters for somebody else you get my point but it was basically I was in the same industry completely starting over I didn't have a client base I couldn't take any of their referrals because of my non-compete clause I had just enough clients and money coming in to just 
barely make my bills. I didn't have credit cards because a few years ago, prior to this, I had taken um, one of those Get Dave Ramsey classes. I am not an affiliate for Dave Ramsey. I'm not saying that you should do that. It didn't work out great for me. Killed my credit. That's another story. But I did not have credit cards to fall back on. What I did have was family. And just a little side note, don't ever borrow money from your family. It never works out well. But but remember, I didn't want to be a burden on my family. I didn't want to be an embarrassment. So that was a heavy weight on me for how to move forward. As my clients and my students were getting this huge feedback and these huge gains from my program, I was just, I went all in. I mean, it was all day, every day. I just did whatever it took to make it, to make it happen. And it was like, all of a sudden, I would put something out there, and I was really sort of reserved. Whenever I, I didn't have a blog, I was nervous to put any of my own thoughts into something. Now, remember, I've been in business now for like 15, 17 years, but I was still nervous to put my own voice on something because I was always using the client's voice. I was writing in the, from their point of view, and I had major anxiety. So putting something out there, I was really nervous. I would re-record things. The first time I did a Facebook Live, I took, now, this is no joke. My oldest daughter can attest for this. 54 takes. It wasn't even a live. It was actually a recording. <laughs> but now I'm sitting here and I think I've recorded, I don't know. Let's see. Let's look. This is 24 minutes on the third segment of this of this podcast. At the time, though, I would put something out and, and just sweat bullets. I thought it's gonna, it's gonna fall flat. It's not funny. People aren't going to register. They're gonna hate me. Something weird happened all at once, like as I wasn't even paying attention, and the messages just started flooding in. It was just like. Boom, my social, my, well, I would say my list more than tripled. My social media just, it's not like there's thousands of followers. You don't, of course, you know that you don't need a thousand. You just need a lot of engaged. My group went crazy. My, <laughs> my list went nuts and people were calling and all of a sudden, just maybe four-ish months later, there I was. It was dead free. No more worries. I had honed in my process. Now I can make it fill the person's, the client's stream, you know, their process or whatever they're doing. I can go make it work in three days, a week, 30 days. It depends on, of course, what you're launching. But to know if they have nothing, it might take a little longer, 90 days. But to know that I have that skill and can look at the strategy and make it work for somebody was life-changing. You'll remember way back, maybe in the beginning of the episode, I talked about how I just wanted to be a mom. I wanted to provide for them, but every, every vacation, every summer, I was working. 
here I was working from home. My kids are home for the summer and I'm in the office, the home office working. This past summer, it all kind of happened all at once for me. And I got to take the entire summer off. I bought that RV, (laughs) which is another story. I'll probably tie in here somehow. But I just got to be a mom for a whole summer. It was actually 41 days. Our summers here in Indiana are 60 days. The kids aren't on for very long now. They have year-round school. But out of those 60 days, she was with me 41 of those. And we were gone the whole time. It doesn't sound like a whole lot of days, but have you taken 41 days off of work? And then not only took it off work, but I made money while I was gone. My business was on automation. I had everything done. I think I checked my email a few times. I hardly even had internet much of the time. But I had this dream that I just wanted to hop in an RV. Now, mind you, I'd never camped before. I had never owned an RV before. And any of you who have owned an RV, yes, the whole thing about dumping the tanks happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) But I bought an RV and... I dropped her off for her dad's for a couple of days, and off I went the whole summer. So summer of 2018, I went from Indiana to Wyoming, to Ohio, Wyoming, where my daughter, oldest daughter, is in grad school. We went to Colorado, New Mexico, oh, from New Mexico all the way up to Upper Michigan, all the way down to South Florida, and then back in those 41 days. I didn't have to go in debt. I didn't have to charge anything. I didn't have to worry about money. I didn't have to worry about food. It had finally happened. I had taken, this was like the summer I had always wanted. Fortunately, my oldest daughter, we did get to visit her, but she's older now. And she did get a little little of the fun in there. (laughs) It became this sort of moment when everything changed. And I knew that I was never going to go back to that, that time where I was sludging through that cauldron of crap. And, and knowing that I had the capability going forward to create something of substance. And that I could do it. Whether now, and as the internet changes, as social media changes, as all these different platforms change, I know that I can learn the deep part of the tech keep up with the clients, and keep moving forward. That part of it is huge. When you get to that moment where you have that self-confidence, where you're doing it scared no matter what, looking at it from the other side and know that you didn't die (laughs) doing whatever it was scared. Who would have known a year before, two years before, that I was going to buy an RV, drive? Now, remember, I worked from home forever. And didn't really go anywhere. Went back and forth to Florida. But I worked from home but didn't have that freedom. I finally had the freedom. I got in that RV. Drove, I don't think it was 3,500 miles or something. Still not huge. Huge for me. That's the thing. Whatever your dream is, that thing that you think is way far in the distance, that was that RV trip. All, it was all summer. was 15 states. 48 days. During this time, I learned how to be more confident, more self-sufficient. We went hiking. I Oh, I hiked in Wyoming at 8,000 feet. 
we went down to New Mexico and I hiked Sandia Peak and I'm on the top. We took that little trolley all the way up to the top of Sandia Peak. So if you go to New Mexico, definitely do this. At the time on one side, they had part of it blocked off because they were building a new restaurant, which I can't wait to go back and see what it is. On the other side was the ski lift, but we're up there and the air was so clear, which I'm from the Midwest. And in late July in the Midwest, it's really muggy and the humidity is high. So here I am in Southwest New Mexico, the furthest west I have ever been on my own, other than taking a, a plane to Vegas, which I don't think that counts. <laughs> furthest west I'd ever driven on my own as a single mom with a kid in the car in the in the RV the highest I'd ever been at 10,000 feet I could smell the pine cones like it was right now I can smell it like it was just yesterday but I'm standing there and I'm looking out over New Mexico, beautiful city, by the way. One side's the city and one side's kind of a foresty area. That was the, in the wintertime, it's, you know, where they ski down. You stand in these giant, in the in the shade of these giant pine trees. And it almost felt like we were in the air conditioning. You stand in the shade and it's kind of chilly. Not, you know, it's New Mexico in July, so it wasn't cold, but it was kind of, you know, you could feel the kind of, the, uh, the coolness and then we would jump out into the sun be blazing sun jump back in the shade it's a little cold but the smell of these pine cones and they're weird pine cones pine cones in the midwest are brown and kind of barky looking these pine cones were kind of mushy and yellow or red but the smell was beautiful i'm standing there with my then 16 year old and i'm telling you what it was like that was the epitome of everything I had worked so hard for for so long. That was the moment of freedom of number one, I got to drive all that way. I'm with my daughter. I'm finally living that that summer that I had always wanted when my oldest daughter started school. This is the journey that I'm never going back to that cauldron of crap. I hope that you'll continue with me on this journey. I'm not sure where it's going to go or what it's going to be next, but I'm definitely gonna go elaborate on that RV trip because that was a lot of fun. I hope that you will do something, do it scared, hashtag I didn't die. <laughs> Let me know what it is, but I hope you'll stay on this journey with me because I think it's gonna be a lot of fun.